0: Hi there and welcome to another OSLA podcast. My name's Todd Fraser. COVID-19 has changed many things, and among them is the way that we learn. The annual meeting of the Australian New Zealand Intensive Care Society's clinical trials group is no exception, with the traditional face-to-face meeting in Noosa being held online this year. Nonetheless, OSLA is delighted to be able to continue its association with the meeting by bringing you a series of podcast interviews with some of the conference presenters. In this first interview, Mahesh Ramanan joins me to talk about his work in fluid management in diabetic ketoacidosis. Mahesh, welcome to the podcast. Uh, Thank you. Uh,
1: Pleasure to be here.
0: Mahesh, normal saline has traditionally been used as a replacement fluid for DKA. Um, What are the potential problems with this as a therapy? Uh, so DKA
1: is a um, very unique um, syndrome where uh, you know we have a combination of uh, severe osmotic dehydration along with a severe metabolic acidosis. Uh, recall that usually with um, dehydration, uh, we tend to get what's called a contracting alkalosis. Um, so these patients are uh, dehydrated to begin with along with a severe acidosis. Um, now, normal saline has um, a... Uh, strong iron difference is zero, or a sodium chloride gap is zero, which has a mild um, acidifying effect on the plasma. Uh, and so the um, main issue with using saline for resuscitation of DKA patients is the potentiation of a hypochloremic acidosis, uh, which also occurs physiologically in the recovery phase of DKA anyway, but um, but um, uh, you know this is uh, potentiated by the use of saline. Uh, and so um, the recovery from the uh, ketoacidotic state, um, or at least The hypothesis is that the recovery from the ketoacidotic state would be slower with normal saline than it would be with uh, some of the balanced crystalloid solutions. And so that's where the the impetus for this trial comes from.
0: So there's been a recognition, obviously, that uh, patients who are recovering from DKA do have an acidosis, which can be a non-anion gap metabolic acidosis, usually attributed to the normal saline. Do we know whether that acidosis is known to be harmful or to affect patient outcomes in any way?
1: Uh, the overall uh, mortality rates from um, DKA are very low and they tend to be associated with the underlying condition that causes uh, the DKA. Um, so, uh, you know, it's highly unlikely that we'll see uh, any sort of um, Changes in mortality because of this. However, there are other patient, um, centered outcomes, you know, outcomes that are very important to patients, such as uh, length of stay uh, in ICU, length of stay in hospital, um, that do get impacted by this because, um, uh, you know, patients that have Persistent acidosis will tend to remain on intravenous insulin for longer and they'll tend to be kept in hospital for longer. Uh, in some places, um, there may be a delay to getting these patients established on a normal diet. Um, so, um, you know, I think there are a range of patient important outcomes that are influenced by this, uh, and not to mention the um, uh, health economic uh, outcomes in terms of um, additional hospital stay and uh, associated um, resource expenditure.
0: Mahesh, you've uh, used plasmalite 148 as your comparative fluid in this study. In theoretical terms, how would this be of benefit to the patient over normal saline? So, there are several benefits.
1: Uh, Firstly, plasmalite 148 has a uh, osmolarity that is uh, very close to that of normal plasma. Um, Now, Normal saline is slightly hyperosmolar uh, to plasma. That's the first advantage. Uh, the second advantage is that the um, plasma light has a uh, strong ion difference uh, of approximately forty milliequivalents, uh, which has a very potent alkalizing effect on the plasma, uh, which is very important for the uh, recovery of the um, of the acidosis of the metabolic acidosis. So it'll have a faster. Um, uh, recovery of uh, pH and base excess when we use plasmolite. The other, um, uh, the third advantage is that uh, plasmolite has a um, much lower uh, chloride load. Um, it has a chloride concentration of approximately 97 milli equivalents. Uh, and so um, the hyperchloremia that we see in the recovery phase of, um, of decay is also attenuated by this. Um, so um, then there would be the three major advantages um, osmolarity. Um, alkalinizing effect, and lower chloride load.
0: So tell us about your study. Before we get to the results, what was the design and what were the endpoints that you were looking at? Okay, so
1: ours was a uh, phase two study. It was, a, um, so the, um, so it was designed to um, generate some early biochemical, clinical, and feasibility data for the performance of, uh, potentially for the performance of a large um, phase three trial in the future. Um, The design was a uh, cluster crossover open label randomized trial. Uh, So essentially what we did was we identified uh, some suitable sites and then we randomized the sites to either receiving, to either uh, using saline or plasmalite for an intervention period of six months. And then we had a one month washout period and then we had another six month intervention period um, during which the sites crossed over. So if you were using Plasmalite for your DKA patients in the first study period, you crossed over to Saline for the second study period, um, and vice versa. So this way, all sites uh, had six months using Plasmalite and six months using Saline for all their DKA patients. The uh, sites were required to start the, um, uh, the allocated fluid as soon as practical, when a patient was identified in the emergency department. Um, and to um, meet inclusion criteria for the trial, the patient had to be uh, age 16 or over, and they had to have uh, severe uh, diabetic ketoacidosis as defined by a blood sugar level greater than or equal to 14.1 millimoles per liter, and a uh, and a pH less than 7.25 or a bicarbonate concentration less than 15 milliequivalents per liter. Uh, and so, once these patients were identified, they received the allocated fluid for. All of their requirements for um, resuscitation and maintenance purposes for the uh, duration of their ED stay and for their first forty-eight hours in ICU. Beyond the ICU, we did not stipulate what um, you know what fluid the patient would receive. That would be at the discretion of the um, treating clinician. All other aspects of DK management, such as uh, insulin replacement, electrolyte replacement, and other treatments, were as per. Local guideline. Um, the sites that eventually participated in the trial were all in in Queensland, so um, most of these sites had um, either the Queensland Health Decare guidelines or some version of that as a uh, local work unit guideline. There was a um, data safety uh, monitoring committee uh, that we had established, who reviewed the safety data during the one-month washout period after the first intervention period, and we were advised to continue the trial on the basis of the safety data. And so, the, um, the trial completed um, 13 months of uh, 12 months of recruitment over a 13-month period.
0: What were the outcomes that you used um, in in this study?
1: Okay, so the outcome, the primary outcome, was a recovery in the um, base excess to greater than minus three uh, milliequivalents per liter at 48 hours. Um, so we chose this mark uh, because it um, would represent um, an uh, clinically significant um, improvement in base excess um, as a marker of the acidosis, uh, and uh, it also incorporated. Um, the 48 hour mark, um, which, uh, you know, which incorporated treatment, uh, in ED and the first 48 hours in ICU, um, which is, um, uh, you know, would constitute a significant exposure, uh, to the study fluids. Uh, we also studied, um, a wide range of, um, other outcomes. Firstly, we performed sensitivity analyses on the primary outcome, um, by changing, uh, the time criteria to 24 hours. Uh, we also looked at a more, um, a more detailed, um, criterion for resolution, which was the, um, American, uh, diabetes association criteria for resolution of decay, which also incorporated, apart from, um, a measure of acidosis, it also incorporated, um, blood sugar levels and ketones. Um, and then we looked at, um, uh, a range of, um, um, biochemical outcomes, firstly, which included, um, Change in pH, change in sodium, change in chloride, change in anion gap, uh, change in bicarbonate over the first 48 hours. There were some clinical outcomes which were um, ICU and hospital length of stay. Um, we did collect data on uh, things such as um, uh, mortality, uh, but we weren't expecting to see any uh, see any sort of sort of significant amount of mortality uh, in a trial of this size in a condition which does not. Um, which is not associated with um, a, a particularly high mortality. Uh, and um, we also collected a range of safety data uh, which included um, change in ketones over the time um, uh, in ICU, um, the uh, requirement for things such as um, uh, central venous line insertions, arterial line insertions, um, hypophosphatemia, hypoglycemic episodes, insulin requirements. Um, and a few other things. Um, I, I would like to just um, specifically mention um, the ketones here. Um, one of the unresolved questions with plasmolite is the metabolic fate of the acetate buffer that is contained in plasmolyte. Um Now, theoretically, uh, acetate can be converted into um, acetyl-CoA and then um, go down the uh ketone pathway that is uh, can be manufactured into uh, beta hydroxybutyrate um and actually potentiate uh the ketosis or at least that's um you know that's one of the theoretical possibilities so one of the um other uh, very important aims of the study was to see if there is any excess generation of ketones in the plasma light group
0: now, I know this was a um, a study that's essentially setting the scene for a potentially uh, larger study in the future, but what were the, the things that you learned? What did you find from the results and what learnings did you have that might inform that later study?
1: So there are several things. Um, the um, first and most obvious things were that uh, all the clinical signs were consistent with a benefit with the use of plasmolite compared to saline. Um, So, uh, you know, I don't really want to talk about um, statistical significance and p-values here because that was not what the trial was meant to do. Um, But um, no matter which outcome um, we looked at, um, either plasmolite and saline were similar or plasmolite was slightly better. Um, So when we look at um, the primary outcome, um, 96% of patients in the plasmolite group had reached decay resolution by our criteria at 48 hours, compared to 86% in the saline group. When we looked at 24 hours, it was uh, 69% in the plasma light group compared to 36% in the saline uh, group. Um, similarly, um, with the American Diabetes Association criteria, um, the, um, the, number, um, the the number the proportion favoured plasma light. When we looked at um, uh, Increases in sodium and chloride concentrations, um, they were um, substantially higher in the light group. Um, most importantly, when we looked at um, uh, ketones, there was no excess generation of ketones in the plasmolite group. So the, uh, to put it another way, the, the decline in ketones in both the groups uh, was um, uh, very Very similar. Um, The graphs are almost directly overlayable on each other. Uh, When we looked at length of stay, uh, there was a uh, a small um, reduction in the plasma light group. So the median ICU length of stay was um, 48 hours in the uh, plasma light group compared to uh, approximately 55 hours in the saline group. Uh, And when we looked at um, hospital length of stay, uh, once again, the plasma light group had a shorter um hospital length of stay um and very interestingly when we look at the Kaplan-Meier curves um the uh, for for hospital discharge that is uh, the curves um mirror each other up to the 72 hour mark uh and from there the plasma light group experiences a very steep um decline that is a very rapid rate of hospital discharge um whereas the saline group continues um uh, along at the uh, at the same sort of gradient so um after the 3 day mark um, a lot of patients in the plasma life group were getting out of hospital, um, a lot more uh, than in the saline group. And then when we look at adverse outcomes, um, once again there were less episodes of hyper- hyperglycemia, less episodes of hypophosphatemia, um, less uh, less number of patients that needed mechanical ventilation, less number of patients that, less number of patients that needed uh, central line insertion, uh, all in the plasma life group. So. Um, Overall, um, there was a clinical signal, or there were clinical signals that were um, consistent with our hypothesis, um, which suggested to us that a a confirmatory trial uh, would be required. Um, Beyond that, in terms of um, feasibility, we had um, seven sites in regional and out of metropolitan Queensland, That participated in this trial Um, and um, out of those we had um, expected or higher than expected uh, rates of recruitment at six of the sites. Um, We only had three patients that were lost to follow up and two of those were at a site that was unable to continue recruitment because of unanticipated staffing changes. Um, And of the 90 patients that were eventually included in the trial. Uh, we had uh, near-complete data collection. Um, So, you know, essentially a complete data set. Um, Further to that, when we looked at compliance with the allocated fluids, the uh, saline-allocated patients had a very high rate of compliance. That is, patients who were allocated to saline pretty much received saline. In the pazomalide group, compliance was... um, uh, was was reasonable. Um, the median compliance was 66%, meaning that you know the median patient in the plasmid group received about two thirds of their volume of fluid as plasmid, and one third as other fluid. Um, then that was a combination of both saline and Hartman solution. Um, this was um, uh, this was uh, n- not quite as good as we'd hoped for, um, but um, uh, you know after discussion with the investigators, we do think that um, uh, that there are. Uh, things we can do, particularly around improved education and um, sustained education through the study um, to actually improve uh, those compliance rates uh, to actually achieve um, a better separation between uh, the two groups when we do go to perform uh, a phase three trial.
0: Mahesh, finally, what uh, needs to be done now before we embark on that phase three trial? Okay, so
1: the next steps are that um, firstly we need to um seek uh, further feedback on this trial, and that'll um, partially be done um, uh, through uh, the sort of uh, uh, peer review process um next we need to look at um, uh, sample size calculations um, for um you know for, for the number of clusters and the number of um, patients at each cluster that we would need um we'd also need to settle on uh, before we get to that actually we'd need to settle on uh, a, a, a patient-centered outcome as the as the final outcome uh, we think at this stage that that'll probably be uh, some sort of a uh, length of stay type outcome um, such as um, you know days alive and out of hospital up to day 30 or or, or something um, uh, along those lines Um and then once all that's done, uh, we'll be looking to form a uh, a, a larger study group uh, and start applying for some um, grant funding. Um, one of the um, uh, sort of remarkable aspects of this trial was that um, we weren't able to secure any funding. Um, and so this trial was done completely on in-kind contributions from the sites and the investigators. Um, that was okay for a trial of this magnitude but um, clearly for a larger phase 3 trial with hundreds of patients that's not going to you know that's that's not going to be possible so um, uh, so we'll be looking at uh, potential funding opportunities once we've carried out all those other steps and have a um, and have a study proposal ready to go.
0: Mahesh congratulations on the completion of this study and uh, thanks very much for joining us on the podcast. Uh, Thank you Todd Um, I really appreciate your time Thanks for joining me on the podcast today. Get access to hundreds of great podcast interviews, modules, journal reviews, quizzes, articles, and more by downloading our free app. Search for My Oslo wherever you get your apps or visit our website at oslocommunity.com.